Welcome to Barry Dunn's podcast, Healthcare Technology Insights. My name is Dan Vogt, and I'm a principal here with Barry Dunn and lead our healthcare consulting practice. I'm stepping in to guest host this episode of our podcast for my good friend and colleague, Danny Burgess. Healthcare Technology Insights is here to inform, instruct, and energize healthcare leaders. Our podcast will include healthcare professionals from all over the nation and bring key topics for discussion that are having a real impact on the healthcare industry. Speaking of healthcare leaders, our very special guest today is Tammy McLean, Information Systems Manager from Holton Regional Hospital. Tammy's been in IT leadership in Holton for 38 years. She's guided a range of projects from infrastructure upgrades to electronic health record projects. Believe it or not, she's gone through three EHR conversions over the course of her career, so I'm looking forward to hearing about it. She's an enthusiastic leader, which you're about to find out, and likes to get into the details. They most recently implemented Meditech Expanse under the Meditech as a service model. This included replacing an existing Meditech magic environment and I believe paper-based charting in their rural health clinics. I know she and her colleagues learned a lot from this project and I'm looking forward to hearing her insights. Tammy, welcome to the program and thank you so much for joining. Thank you for having me, Dan. So let's go back for a moment and just think about the journey you've been on with my first question. You know, three EHR conversions makes me think of what was the state of healthcare technology when you first got into the field? Well, here at Holton Regional Hospital, when I first came to work here, they really didn't have computers. Everything was still on paper. And we were only about a year out from installing our very first partial system which was the leblanc Schecksneider system. And we were building that on an IBM 36. So it has changed so dramatically since that time and place, because I can remember we had these extremely very large printers that had the um, long green line paper with the pegs on the side, and you would upload your paper, and I would have to change all that paper out to print all my UVs and 1500s and detail bills every day for the facility. So yeah, it's, it's a big change since then. And we only implemented when we first started the registration, patient accounting, and medical records. And then you slowly brought up modules as they were built from these other companies. So nothing was a big bang theory like we just went through. That's quite a transition, you know, that you've gone through from paper to sort of automation bit by bit to now most recently, like you said, a big bang, a whole organization lift. You know, mm-hmm. that's any perspective on that transformation that you've seen over the course of your career and, and from bit by bit to, to the whole thing? Well, you're never truly prepared for what you think you know, even after the number of years I have been at this facility, and until you're actually knee-deep in it, don't be surprised at what could happen, because when you're doing one module at a time, which we did a lot over my career here when we had Magic for 26 years, you slowly brought up modules in the clinical perspective that became available to you. So doing one, maybe two modules at a time, I would consider what I would call a walk in the park now at the time. Many years ago, it seemed like a big venture. But compared to this Big Bang Theory, it was 
nothing to the degree of when you're deciding to take every single module and every single department and every single process and reinvent it from the very beginning. The way you frame that is helpful. And I think a lot of your peers are in similar-ish places from where you were and are, are either in the process of going to where you are in terms of a big bango lab or recently done it. Um, and so for those who are kind of starting on this journey, you know, any big, big takeaways, big lessons learned that, um, you know, that you think your peers might benefit from thinking about what you just described going from a walk in the park to, you know, the challenge of, of everything. I think my biggest recommendation for anyone would be, especially since now we're doing this subscription model in the 26 years we had magic, we did that all on our own. We built it from scratch. So this is our first subscription model. And my biggest lesson learned from that process is although that module is built technically by Meditech versus us, in most capacities, I would recommend to everyone, you can't sit back on your laurels and take that as a, oh, I don't have to do it. It is not that at all. You have to be a part of the journey from start to finish. And you have to understand what they're doing because you're the only person who knows your module, your systems, your hospital. You are the only person who knows your charges. And that right there at the very end of it became my biggest lesson learned is I thought by filling out my spreadsheets and handing them to another person to enter them, I was good. I did learn in some aspects that was not true. So if I can tell you anything out of this entire project, you have to own it and you have to be just like you're building it yourself. And you're not having another company do it for you. You know, that's a really good point. And I think, you know, Meditech independent, I, what I've seen over the course of my career is a big shift to cloud-based and subscription-based delivery models from the vendors, mm-hmm. you know, whether it's, you know, Meditech or Cerner or Point of Care or anyone, right? There's, there's a, there's been a shift generally in that direction. And there's a, a temptation, like you described, to think, I don't need to worry about this piece. The vendor has it, right? And correct. In my mindset, I, I actually wrote an uh, article a few years back. You can't outsource accountability. Was the title of it? Oh, that's a great. That's a great statement. Yeah, you know, you still own it, even if the mm-hmm. vendor is building it, or even if the vendor has a role in designing it, or even the vendor is hosting it. Right? It's still your data. Right. It's still your workflows. It's still your operations. To your point, mm-hmm. it's still your hospital. Um, yep. so I think that's a good lesson for anyone heading into kind of from on-premise and more, more self-controlled. So, you know, a software, uh, subscription type model. And, and I truly think that because it was me and I'm, I'm probably, yeah, I'd probably be considered a little OCD and, and a bit of a control because I've been doing this for so long and I've been, a part of every single build in this facility because really now in the world we live in with with healthcare and the facilities there is nothing that gets brought into our facility that doesn't touch IT any longer 
the HVAC systems, the dietary systems, everything, things that you would have never imagined would ever have anything to do with IT no longer exists because everybody wants a VPN. Everyone wants remote access to their infrastructure that they've put into your facility and especially with all the medical equipment now. So you can't do anything in the building without involving IT. So because I've had to do that so many different ways in the last several years, it's like, don't take anything for granted. You have to be the owner of it. You have to be the ultimate person that makes sure it's right and make sure it is what fits for your facility. I think I'm going to ask a, a, a follow-up question to that, thinking about what you just said with how many things touch IT now in, in, in a hospital, more so probably than ever. You know, have you found you've been growing your IT team or shifting your IT team skills or uh, what have you found sort of the things that have emerged that to support all those different things, you know, you've had to to grow as an IT leader? We have added um, one more person in our, our team in the last few years that's more of a network person. Because of the, we were a magic facility for so long, and we are a very, we're a small CAH hospital located in northern Maine, and we're very frugal. So we find ways to be as um, cost efficient as we can, because as you know, we don't all have money running from the faucet. So we've had to reinvent the wheel. We've had to fix things. We've had to patch things. So when we got ready and decided, yes, we're finally going to move to the new Meditech, we knew we needed some more network help in the facility because my team is a one. I can't say enough. A leader can only be as good as the people that work underneath them. And I give all the perspective to my team. They are the reason why our projects are so successful is because they not only do such a fantastic job, they take the ownership on my projects as much as I do. And they care as much about our facility succeeding as anyone else would. So by taking on many of the HVAC upgrades, taking on, we just overhauled a brand new phone system that was a 30-year-old pot system, plain old telephone, to the, to the new system on our brand new VMware that we acquired through the um, FCC grants that we got. And that was a massive project to take on during an EHR system in a facility of our size and do both projects at one time. So my team, by having that network infrastructure and building on that, we've been able to take on projects in this facility that we didn't have in the past. So the phone system was one of them. We're in the process now of replacing all the monitor system in the entire infrastructure. So that's another project that we've had to be a part of. Every single item that comes into this facility now comes to us. We did not have a lot of security in place prior to COVID. We didn't have many cameras in the facility. We're in the process of upgrading all of that because now all of these facilities are dealing with mental health issues in their emergency rooms and in their acute care setting. So we're forced to have to deal with these issues as they come, and many of them are on the fly, and my team has the ability to give them the best perspective on all that. So it's mostly been networking that we've had to add to this infrastructure. 
That makes sense. I mean, if you think about the explosion of devices connected, right? You know, you mentioned mm -hmm. everything from cameras to medical device equipment in that discussion, right? You need mm -hmm. that backbone. You need that networking backbone to enable yes. any of that to really occur, right? And um, if you have that backbone, then you can be nimble, right? And I think if anything, the last three years has taught all of us is <laughs> be be ready to adapt on the fly, yeah. right? you know, yep. um, be ready to open, close, move locations, add technology, figure out new ways to engage with the patient, right? And so, Correct. Um, yeah. One of one of the biggest things that has changed for us in the last three, four years with this change also, and the way um, cybersecurity has advanced in the technology world for the last three years, we have had to heighten our um, accessibility to the infrastructure in many ways. So MFA has been a huge change in our infrastructure and our um, staff here. Holton Regional has a great community of, of employees who have worked here for, like me, their entire lives. So we have an age bracket of workers that range from 18 years old to 80 years old. When you start talking changing this infrastructure in every way, shape, and form, you're affecting all those degrees of learning. And you have to figure out a way of how you help each one of that level of learning use the infrastructure. One of the biggest changes we've made in the last uh, three years was we went from a paper time card to a full electronic time and attendance. That was another massive change for this community and this building for that level of learning. Yeah, what the amount of changes you're describing you know, is quite substantial. And some some are more behind the scenes to many employees, like the, the network project. They probably saw you working in walls and access points and so forth, but didn't directly touch the employee quite as much. But you get into time and attendance, as an example, you know, mm -hmm. that pretty much everyone who, who's getting a paycheck is probably involved in to some degree, whether you're, you know. Correct clocking in or clocking out or you're approving time cards as a supervisor or manager or, or otherwise. And the Meditech install in some way, shape or form probably touched most, if not all, you know, employees and cybersecurity, you know, getting people to not click on the link or open the attachment or do the things uh -huh. that get in trouble really affects nearly every employee. So I, I wonder if you could talk about the people side a little bit and getting getting your, your colleagues to embrace the new thing, whether that's a new time <laughs> attendance, you know, as an employee, or maybe it's the charts in the clinic that I believe used to be paper and are now, you know, electronic, getting the providers and the nurses to adopt it. Can you talk a little bit about that people side? How do you get people to, to, to do the new thing? Well, I, I will give um, kudos to a large portion of that for my administrative team backed us 100% on this. They were fantastic in how they supported these projects. We've had a change in a, a CEO over the last three years from another gentleman we used to have here. And he, the, the other CEO was, was very supportive as well. The new, the newer CEO was very much more technologically driven to see a lot of these changes because 
as you know, Dan, having worked with me over the years, we had a lot of um, legacy equipment here. We had a lot of systems that just for the, for the longest time, we just couldn't afford to upgrade them. And then during this COVID period, we've literally overhauled every infrastructure and technology that we've had to completely change it. For the end user, for the most part, the EMR hits on the probably a large portion of the facility, but yet the phone and the time and attendance affected every single human that has walked into this building. So that was a little bit harder for the majority of some people who really don't use the EMR. Uh, they don't have any reason to be documenting. They only use the old system to get their time card or their um, pay stub. They didn't have a module to work on. So now that they all have a module, it was those people that really needed more help making them comfortable with the changes in the facility and easing their angst to say, this is going to be a good thing and you're going to be able to do this and it really will be all right. And I think that is part of what my team is really good at is because we've had so many long-term employees and people feel so comfortable working with my staff. It's made it an easier transition for the facility. And I'm not going to tell you that time and attendance wasn't one of the hardest because of that change of we got badge swipe ins for the first time. So you badge type into the building for the first time. You badge tap into time and attendance. You now badge tap into expanse. That was by far one of the greatest transitions we've ever done. And although you're thinking for us who do technology all day long, that badge tap is going to be the fantastic thing and it'll be easy for people. It wasn't. It is, it's a, it does. It causes a angst in some of those people. And they were, some people did retire right before these projects, but we still have very, very large groups of a older group of people that have been here for a long time and they've embraced it and moved on and they love it. You know, it's it's interesting listening to you describe that. You know, one of the things in change management is that resistance to change is a natural human reaction. Yep. It's sort of what yep. you expect, you know. And so even though it, it seems like, wow, this badge tap will be awesome, people should be excited, it's just new and different, right? So it's kind of natural mm -hmm. to to resist it. And what and just to kind of hit a couple points you brought up there that I think are important for our listeners is you know, you mentioned a unified leadership team supporting the changes, right? That that sponsorship couldn't be more important in my experience to getting employees to say, oh, this is a good thing. I may be nervous, it may be new, but leadership is saying this is good, right? So that's a good starting yes. point. And then yep. you also mentioned your team, you know, being what I would describe as effective coaches and supportive colleagues, you know, and, and kind of helping people get through it, you know, in a in a supportive constructive way and that that active mm -hmm. coaching again being just yep. so important to help people help people through so you've done a lot we've been talking a lot about <laughs> kind of what's been going yep. on and what you've been learning and you know the transitions i want to pivot us a little bit forward you know to kind of look okay. forward a bit there's always great nuggets from the the past but you know i'm kind of thinking about you know infrastructure has been upgraded 
Big Bang EHR went live. You know, I imagine there's still some improvement that needs to be had on that. But what's next? What's on the radar next? You know, is it is it hunker down and take a breath or are there new initiatives you're thinking about? Well, right now, we've already started post-life projects with Expanse. So we're installing a labor and delivery module that we didn't do at Go Live because it would have extended my Go Live time. So okay. that's a project right now that I'm doing. We are in the process right now of looking at a full overhaul of the monitor system in the facility. So we're going to be updating the monitor system in the emergency room, inter uh, up on acute care in the intermediate beds, surgery, and over in labor and delivery with the fetal monitors. We have um, the ECR interface with Expanse and the state of Maine that we have to uh, deploy and get started with that we're going to jump on another facility in the state of Maine that went live at the same time we did and try to be a um, cohort together for the state of Maine to get the ECR up and going. We have um, another project for the facility for the cameras to add many, many, many more cameras with the more up-to-date infrastructure because that is a legacy system that we need to upgrade. Portable devices have been a brand new thing for us with Expanse. And our portable device that we went with is, is working, but having it be the first project for portable devices, there are some lessons learned there and some perspectives, but we're able to uh, pivot a little bit on that and use some of those devices for some other entities besides our doctors. That has turned out to be very helpful for the staff. So we're trying to expand on that venture. We are um, looking at another upgrade probably with our Pixis system because we need to expand and upgrade on some of that. Uh, post-live systems with some Meditech projects still for some other interfaces. We'd like to start interfacing to maybe some other large facilities and tertiaries in the, in the state so we can expand on that EHR to share with some of the other tertiaries. And probably before I'm done this podcast, there's someone in this facility who already has another project ready for me that they just haven't told me about. So I wait till each day when I leave this room and find out what's next. Fair enough. Well, it sounds like the ambition at Holton and the ambition with you and the ambition with your team is not not taking a break. I mean, that's that's a good number of things that you're uh, you're planning for. And as you mentioned, we'll find out after we finish this what what also gets you know onto the stack. Um, yeah. You know, Maine is is kind of a, a small you know a small and tight knit community as is healthcare. In general, you know, I'll be going to the the Hymns conference coming up here in April, and and I, it may be forty five thousand people who typically go, but I still see friendly faces in the hallways every single year, right? And so I'm just thinking about your experience as a, as an IT leader, and I'm thinking about the rising IT leaders that are either rising on your team or rising on teams all around, you know, the state and the country, and maybe stepping more in the coming years into IT leadership roles, you know, as, as you know, folks retire and, and people step in. Any advice you could offer rising IT leaders in healthcare that kind of would set them on a good path that you were talking to yourself, you know, 
uh, a while back, you know, what, what advice would you give them or give yourself to be an effective IT leader? If one of the other things that I've learned over the last four years through this whole COVID thing and is um, the younger generation that's coming out of school now and their perspective on technology, it is so much greater than anything we ever encountered when we finished school. And they have so much ability and knowledge, but they are truly, truly entering the workforce in a total different perspective than us. You and I entered it back when jobs were very plentiful and many people could step into jobs. They didn't have a lot of education or they didn't have that college background. They could just step into jobs at 18 years old, 19 years old, and you learn as you went. It is not that same world today. Those jobs don't necessarily exist for those kids. And I fear for them. And I also envy them because they're in a world we never imagined. I'm happy I'm not in that world starting over again. I'm happy where I am today. But I I think their biggest thing is for them to open their minds to the older generation's perspective and learn from them as much as you can because everything you've learned in school and everything you think you know about the job has so many other aspects to it that people in my generation that have been there and done it have to offer them and they can learn from those experiences more than you can ever learn sitting in a classroom. And I'm not saying that those educations aren't the most important thing in your lives and everyone needs to take advantage of them and receive them. But also listen to your peers, work with them, take their perspective into accountability, and you will be so much more valuable to a facility than you could ever imagine. Yeah, that's good perspective. You know, I... A follow-up question comes to mind for me, which is you mentioned kind of the students coming out with their educational you know, background, and, and I, I instantly go to kind of the difference in technical skill that, you know, mm. maybe people entered the workforce with, you know, before and can get into a, a technology-related field versus, you know, getting a real degree that has a technical knowledge to start. But, you know, what I've heard throughout our conversation today is a lot around leadership values. You know, and, and, and I don't know if there's a, a particular leadership value that stands out to you that's been kind of a guidepost for you, you know, throughout your career in terms of, you know, how you like to lead your team or when you work with your senior leadership team, the values look, you're looking for, but more on the soft skill side, like what's that key value to being, you know, an effective IT leader, do you think? Over the years, as I have hired people, I never do that on my own. I bring my team in to vet all the people that we bring in to talk. You can't hire someone just based on their skills and their abilities. They have to be part, be willing to be part of a team because that is exactly how I've always worked in life. I think it's, I've always had that sports background and playing on teams. So that's always carried with me moving forward in my career. You have to be a team player and you're only as good as your other team members. So if you bring in your other team to help you vet all these people that you're thinking about, as well as working with your coworkers, maybe I don't have the best interaction with every person in this building, 
But as long as someone on my team does, and that's the person that those other people feel comfortable with, then let those people work with them. You can't think that you know everything. Like I said earlier, I'm only as good as the team I have put together. They, many of them know all different kinds of things. I'm, I can't know everything and I can't be everything. I'm as good as all of those people together. And we work so well together and we accomplish so much together that that is the biggest perspective that any leader, I think, could go with is if you feel the person you're working with is outsmarting you and you don't want to hire them, maybe because, oh, they might make me not look good. That isn't the way you want to go about it. Everyone has to look at what they have to offer to your team. I think that's a very poignant point and it hits on, I would think, rising leaders. That's a great bit of advice because, you know, hiring unbelievably talented people and having them work really well as a team, mm -hmm. you know, you can usually do more uh, than you think you, you could imagine, right? If, if you're, oh, yeah. if you're yeah. all, you know, working together, aiming at the same things and bringing your best talent. So thank you. That's an incredible, I think an incredibly bit of, of advice that hopefully people take to heart. So let's take this home. Um, first off, thank you so much for joining. This is fun. We've known each other a very long time and I was really excited mm -hmm. to kind of have a little bit of a back and forth. Um, I think our audience is definitely going to pick up a, a nugget or two of, of great stuff from this. Um, my colleague Danny started a tradition when we, we launched this podcast around kind of an open-ended question. And so I, I kind of want to finish there, which is picture that you have unimaginable amounts of money to spend in, in healthcare, right? We talked about frugality earlier. So put that aside and picture unlimited funds and let's forget about regulation. No more meaningful use, no more things we got to comply with. You just can do what you want. What would be your top priority for improving healthcare and why? Well, it's, it's funny that you asked me that because I'm constantly someone who buys a lottery ticket. I know it may be stupid, but I'm still the big dreamer thinking one ticket could be the one. And I always tell everyone, and especially my, my boss, the CFO, I'll tell her, I'll say, Cynthia, I've bought my lottery ticket. And if we win this, before we bought Expanse, my big thing was I would buy Expanse for us. And then I would also donate towards a lot of the... Um, clinical perspective to help with the community and adding more um, services for all the community because I love this community and I've lived here my entire life. So I would want to do that. But for me in my job, looking at what I would want to have for IT, I always considered certain softwares or certain things fluff softwares because you're always your emr is it's a requirement you're there's many things now based around stuff that i might not want myself but we have to have it because of but if i could go rogue and not have regulations then i would buy my team all the best software they could ever ask me for which they do and it never gets approved but i would buy them any of those softwares that they ask me i would try to buy as much of the portable devices and things that would make the end user be able to completely be able to have access to anything they need and do what they want anywhere they sat. I would add many more interfaces to clinical 
systems that we talked about earlier that we need and have not been able to have for so many years. And last but least, I would, and this isn't technology, this is kind of silly, but I would probably buy every one of my employees something on their ever wish list because I can't say enough about my team and I love them all and I would want to buy something for them. Fair enough. That's silly. That's silly, but I would. Well, I think you, you, you brought a common string to our conversation involved around technology to enable the end user, mm-hmm. the advancement of the community you live in, and the value of your team. And I think that shined across every answer and, and string we went through for this. So I'll close and just say thank you so much again, Tammy, for, for joining me on this. This is a lot of fun. Um, oh, thank you. You can find our podcast on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, and Google. Our next show will be coming soon, and we hope you tune in. We'll be at Hymns coming up in April, and we hope to see some old friends and colleagues. I'm Dan Vogt, and you've been listening to Barry Dunn's Healthcare Technology Insights. Thank you for listening. Be well and stay insightful.